Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcripts can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What's up on a Thursday night? little early release action. I am Brian Scott Rippy. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Writes podcast. You know what we're going to talk about today. It is Colin and I's Super Regional Preview. We got into pitching matchups. Uh, actually, Southern New- Southern Misses rotation. We recorded this on a Wednesday night. Southern Misses rotation broke uh, mid pod, so a little bit of news there. Got into all of that. Um, old Misses chances in the regional. Southern Misses bullpen. This is a team built around just pitching. All kinds of different stuff. This is probably the actually I won't say it's the greatest super regional preview of all time, but I throw it on the Mount Rushmore without knowing any of the other candidates. Anyway, buckle up. Should be a fun show. Before we get to that, I want to remind you the podcast brought to you by Skybox Sports Fix. Who is Skybox Sports Fix? Well, glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website. The inventors of the Skybox Matrix Rental and Events Modeling Mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. Need to check these guys out. They had another profitable weekend in NASCAR over the weekend. They've got some NBA final stuff on the site. Uh, get geared up for football season. Maybe increase your bankroll a little bit. Let Skybox make you some money throughout the summer before we hit football season in full swing they're going to make you money more consistently than your own brain you don't want the bookie texting you on sunday night monday morning asking you to square up you want to be texting him asking where your supplementary income is coming from skybox is going to do that for you more consistently than anyone else check them out skyboxsportspicks.com go find a picks package you can do month long week long season long i recommend just going all sports all year long the all access pass it's going to pay for itself and then some because we're doing business with skybox is an investment that always cashes. Use the promo code RIPPY, R-I-P-P-E-E, and that'll get you 20% off any purchase, and we'll also let them know we sent you. Podcast is also brought to you by LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. Go see Greg. If you're Rippy Wright subscriber, that's rippywrights.substack.com. Type in your email. Get a free newsletter from me a couple times a week and discounted meats. Right now, it's a 16-ounce prime strip for 20 bucks and a five prime strip, not shrimp. That would be a different sponsor. Prime, prime strip, can't talk today, and a $5 pack of sausage. That's one hell of a way to kickstart your weekend. Go in there, show them proof of subscription. It'll get you set up and then find your own favorites. Oxford's so lucky to have a place like LB's. It is absolutely the best place in Mississippi to get meat and the world for that matter. Uh, all kinds of delicious cuts, fresh seafood. I like the filet burgers, tri-tip, all kinds of great stuff there. Go find your own favorites. If they don't have it, Greg will get it for you. He wants to make your grilling experience great. We've got 4th of July coming up. Uh, it's prime grilling season. Let Greg take your grilling experience to the next level. Check them out, LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. All right, here is Colin Brister as the Rebels now sit two wins away from the College World Series. All right, we now welcome on Rippy Wright's baseball correspondent, Colin Brister. This is our 2022 Hattiesburg Super Regional Preview. The Ole Miss Rebels are two wins away from the College World Series. And what stands in their way is the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. I got to say, in a strange way, this whole Southern Miss thing, Ole Miss playing Southern Miss in a Super Regional, is kind of the perfect, weird, unpredictable end to this season, um, or at least kind of culmination of this season, whether they make it to Omaha or not. I'm not necessarily saying the season ends this weekend. I just kind of find it funny because, like, how many times have we been wrong about this team this season? So many things haven't made, so made sense. I knew Southern Miss was going to be good and was good, but I figured if Ole Miss, you know, kind of faded weekly as a two or three seed, they might be in Southern's regional. It's just kind of hilarious that it is now Ole Miss versus Southern in a super in Hattiesburg. 
um, to get to Omaha. Southern Miss, it would be the second time ever, first since 2009. And, uh, I mean, you know the deal with Ole Miss. They just really need to get there. Yeah. Um, it's kind of funny how it works out. I, I, you know, it's kind of a path of horrors. You beat, you beat Arizona um, in game one of the regional that, that put you out last year, and then you beat um, Miami, who, who, you know, gave you the super regional loss and eliminated you. Eliminated you in 08 and 06, and then uh, you eliminated an Arizona team that eliminated you last year. Um, yeah, and now you go to Southern Miss and you avoided going to Baton Rouge, which um, the more I look into this, I'm, I'm pretty thankful that, look, Southern Miss can certainly win this uh, Super Regional and win it in two games. They're a very, very talented and, and good, good and well-coached baseball team. Um, but I'm thankful Ole Miss is not loading the buses and going to Baton Rouge this weekend, if I'm honest. Okay, that's interesting. Why are you uh, – I think that's a good way to kick this off because we somewhat debated that for the last week. I talked about it with Chase a little bit. We discussed it on this show. Why are, uh, why are you thankful for that outside of the lore that is LSU? Like, is it just the Alex Box Stadium in general? Well, because yes. For, yes. I'll make the case from a pitching standpoint, Southern Miss will be the best rotation Ole Miss has seen outside of Tennessee. One of the better bullpens. That's just impossible to grade because we don't know how Southern Miss uses some of these guys. And we don't really – it's hard to compare it to SEC bullpens without knowing the minutia of every single team. But you got two guys that throw really hard, another guy that's going to be low 90s, and they're a really damn good rotation where Ole Miss feasted on LSU's rotation. And while LSU's bullpen's kind of stayed yeah. up last month of the year, Ole Miss didn't have much trouble with them. And so that would be my case, too. I'd actually, from a team standpoint, rather see LSU. What is your case to the contrary? So, so, so if we're talking about um, – let let's put it this way. If the series was going to be in Oxford, I would rather face LSU. If, if, if that makes sense. Um, I just don't think you're going to win many Super Regionals in Alex Box Stadium. I just don't. I, I think it's really hard to play there in June, and I get it. I did it at the 1st of May, but I saw that story three years ago when you go to Fayetteville and you win the series, and it's a different story um, when you go down there for a Super. Um, I don't think it's good for Ole Miss um, because I think, I think it'd be hard to argue that LSU doesn't have a better lineup than Ole Miss, and I think it would not play into Ole Miss's hand well that LSU had already seen Hunter Elliott, had already seen Dylan DeLucia, um, and had already seen, you know, Brandon Johnson and Josh Mallets. I don't think that would have been in Ole Miss's best interest. Um, whereas, you know, Southern has seen Brandon Johnson. They have seen Josh Mallets. They have not seen a Dylan DeLucia. They have not seen a Hunter Elliott. Um, and I think that I think that bodes well for Ole Miss. Look, I mean, it, it's it's – you know, it, it's about equal as far as the teams. But if you, I mean, it's two things. One, and this is sound. It means it. This kind of sounds elitist, and then I don't intend for it to. But if it's like, hey, do you want to play the SEC team to go to the College World Series, or would you rather play the CUSA team? I'll take the CUSA team. And that's no offense to Southern Miss. I'm readily aware that Ole Miss can lose the Super Regional twice if they don't play well, or hell, even if they play well, they can lose the Super Regional in two games because um, Southern Miss is that good of a team. But I just – if you're going to offer me one, I'm going to take the, the, the CUSA team. Um, and two, just Alex Park Stadium, man, I saw Mississippi State lead a, lead a Super Regional game one, three to nothing um, in the bottom of the eighth inning. And Kramer Robertson walked. He walked, and the game was over. Um, that play started rocking, and Five batters later, LSU has a 4-3 lead. They get three outs in the top of the ninth. They win game one and game two is in no contest for all intents and purposes. I just 
I'd rather go to I'd rather go to Pete Taylor Park. I I just would. Yeah, no, I I, I get that. I don't really actually feel strongly either way. I was just kind of playing devil's advocate because like the devil's advocate of that would be well, yes, LSU has the better lineup, but Ole Miss is clearly as you saw in the Coral Gables region. <laughs> pitching has become the strength of their team. So if you're kind of telling me what's the biggest difference, I'd actually probably say it's Ole Miss's pitching is drastically better than LSU's. And the offense, I guess it depends on what version you get of Ole Miss's. I think it's probably the gap is slimmer there. But you're right. I mean, look, if it was in Oxford, you'd probably rather face LSU. I will say, though, this weekend, I don't know if you've ever been to Pete Taylor Park, but it's clearly not Alex Buck Stadium. It's not as big. But they're going to pack that thing to the gills, and it's kind of like a uh, – I would equate it to like a, a mid-major basketball arena. You know, some of those places Gonzaga plays can get pretty rowdy for what they are, and it feels like everything's on top. Sure. I think that'll kind of have the same thing. I'm not comparing the two, but just I do think it will be an electric environment this weekend. And that sure. favorite part can kind of get, I would say, low-key, um, pretty rowdy in there too. And uh, also, you know those people are going to be absolutely charged <laughs> to beat uh, the uh, sure. at SEC school. Uh, but but and 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 – you're right, but at LSU, like, and maybe this sounds dumb, and I'm readily aware that it might. LSU hosting a super regional isn't a big deal for them. They they do it every other year. This is a big deal for Southern Miss. Does do, do they grip the bat a little bit tighter at home? Um, do the fans, yeah, I mean, people have talked about this for for a while. If you're down five to two in the fifth inning of a game two after you've lost game one the fans get a little bit nervous because that's been the case at Swayze at times. Um, when this team fell down to Tennessee Tech at 3-2 to in, in 2018, you could you could sense the nervousness throughout the stadium. Um, that would not be the case at LSU. Um, they wouldn't – they wouldn't and, – and I'm not saying Southern Miss will freak out. I don't, I don't necessarily think they will. Um, again, this is an elite and very good baseball team. Um, but there would be no panic from LSU that, that this is the team that uh, – a race to 11 to four deficit in one swing on Friday night. So um, I just think there's more chance for Southern Miss to grip the bat a little bit tighter and maybe hold on to that curveball a little bit longer, more so than there would be from the kids at LSU. Completely fair. And this part is not even necessarily carrying on this pseudo debate or whatever, but I was impressed just from watching the regional over the weekend of Southern Miss's um, resiliency. Like, yes, that game got sure. really weird. Um, that game they played the first time they played LSU, but for them to be able to come back and win, and that that particularly that last game have so many swings to it, I was pretty impressed by Southern Miss. Oh, they're they're tough in that regard. They you. are tough in that regard. Their offense is not nearly as good as last year. Like they've had a couple of guys take a step back, and then a couple of new guys come in and do a pretty decent job. But they they did show toughness, and that's not even related sure. related to LSU or anything else. That was just an observation I had from watching the games this weekend. Sure. I mean, this is a team that uh, was up seven to four, um, blew the lead in the bottom of the, the eighth inning. And I'm like, well, you know, you're dead. Um, you let LSU get hot and, and I don't know how you come back. And then they scratch one across. And I, mean, I do mean scratch in the top of the eighth or excuse me, the top of the ninth. And you leave you leave runners on base. And I'm just like, go with God, Southern Miss, because you're, <laughs> you're down one in the bottom of the ninth LSU season on the line. I've seen this before, um, and and but to their credit, uh, the kid—I can't remember if it was Landon Harper. I don't think it was. I can't remember the kid's name that I got to say, but, but he it is Landon Harper. Two yes. Oh, it was Landon Harper? Okay, um, and then throws uh, ninety-five mile an hour fastball with some real stink to 
to uh, K, the, the last guy to win the regional. So real toughness by Southern Miss for sure. Um, I just wonder, so, so, you know, there's been a narrative about Ole Miss baseball um, for a long time. It's like, hey, they get tight. Well, they don't really don't in regionals. I just kind of wonder if super regionals make it different if you're um, two wins away, man. You're two wins away, and I just wonder if that pre- presents a different dynamic. I don't know. We'll see. Um, and, and, look, I, 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 I don't want to sound like I'm being elitist. Southern Miss is an excellent baseball team. I think they're a top six to seven team in the country, um, maybe even better than that. But um, it just depends on the version of Ole Miss that shows up down there this week. And I've seen about seven different versions of them. I've seen a version that's better than Southern Miss. And I've seen a version that's a whole hell of a lot worse than Southern Miss. Um, Southern Miss is remarkably more consistent. Um, but Ole Miss, with their best, I think there's a better baseball team. But Ole Miss has not been at their best um, for the majority of the season. Thankfully, they are right now. And I was wrong on uh, that last part. Uh, Hart- Landon Harper um, pitched the uh, eighth inning for us. It was Tyler Stewart that got the That's last right. one out for Southern Miss. I had that messed up just to correct the record there. Uh, but, no, you're, you're right. And it's, it would help if Ole Miss had, like, two or three versions of themselves. But uh, this whole seven <laughs> version thing is made for a lot of really wrong predictions this year. And just to get on, like, the, the if you want to go like down the, like the road of Ole, will Ole Miss be tight, I would just throw my hands up at this point and say, one, have you seen the way they're playing and the way they're acting while they're playing over the last well, – and, like, do they have any reason to? Do, at this no, point, do they really have any reason to? No, and, and that's a narrative that I don't think since about 2018 is fair. Um, people do, oh, they lost Arkansas better. They lost Arizona was better. Like, what are you going to do? Any plays as loose as they want, they're going to get their ass kicked because the other two teams are better. I don't know. Even at, at Ole Miss's best version, right? Even at their best, they were not better than Arkansas that year. They were not better than Arizona this year. At Ole Miss's best version, they are at least equal to Southern Miss. We can argue if they're better or not, um, but at their best, they're at least equal and will give themselves every opportunity to win the Super Regional. Um, So, we'll see. I I just – I don't think, whereas we look back in 2019 and 2021, if this doesn't go Ole Miss's way, the the sentence that Southern Miss was just a lot better than Ole Miss – um, I, that won't come out of my mouth. Um, you know, I, I, and I don't mean that in a elitist way. I, I just think that these two teams are pretty evenly matched. Um, and that's a credit to, to Scott Perry. Um, he's done one hell of a job there. But um, I, I, I guess what I'm saying is I, I think Ole Miss has as much opportunity to win the Super Regional or more opportunity to win the Super Regional, certainly, than, than the last two times they've entered the, the Super Regional round. Looking at Southern Miss's pitching staff, and this will be a series that I think, I mean, look, yeah. you can argue one of two ways, but I think it will be decided by pitching to a large degree. And just kind of giving the people yeah. who are listening a primer on uh, Southern Miss's pitching staff, the three starters you're going to see are Tanner Hall, Hurston Waldrop, and then is it – I always want to say Hunter Riggins, but I had it written down wrong three times. Is it uh, Ben? No, that's Ben Etheridge. That was the kid that there was their Friday night right. starter to start the year. Doesn't matter. Riggins is the other one. I'll think I'll get it in a second. But it's kind of an interesting. It's kind of interesting how it has played out. Hunter Riggins. Yeah, I had that right. Hurston and Hunter is what was tripping me up. Um, yeah, sir. A couple of MIS names there. Um, anyway, uh, so but the way it's played out this year has been interesting because Ole Miss actually, or excuse me, Southern Miss actually started the year with a guy named Ben Etheridge who was their Friday night starter throughout pretty much the entirety of non-conference play. He started the winner-take-all game last year in the 2021 Oxford Regional. 
It did not go well for Mr. Etheridge. Joel Miss got after him pretty early. I think he only lasted an inning. Maybe he lasted an inning and change. He was, I would describe, decent for his first three starts in non-conference play, okay for the last two. And with the way Tanner Hall had pitched in a couple of midweek games against the likes of what was a ranked two-lane team when they played them and just absolutely shoved against Mississippi State in a pair of wins, um, Scott Berry, when conference play began, I mean, I'm sure he saw what turned into the Ferris Award winner and the numbers that he's put up this year, but went ahead and inserted him as their Friday night guy. And he has been their Friday night guy ever since with Riggins and Waldrop following him for most of the year. Um, I can't necessarily say you don't see that often, but it is fairly interesting that in terms of a midweek guy going into the rotation and kind of becoming a star. That happens fairly commonly. It is very interesting, and I guess it may be a little bit different in Conference USA play, that he picks that well in a couple midweek starts, and Scott Berry just said, to hell with this, you're, you're going to anchor this staff. Yeah, um, that is interesting, and maybe there's more to it than, than we know. Maybe it's you know, just getting him ready and, and maybe he's coming off maybe some tomorrow arm issues or whatever. I don't, I have no idea. Um, it was a good call. I, I, I do, yeah. I do know this. Um, I sat in section J at Swayze um, on a June night in 2021 and watched Tanner Hall just on Ole Miss. Well, that's the story I, here. I, I buried the lead. I should set you up better. This is – some people out there listening are going to go, oh, that guy? You remember when Ole Miss – had the reliever come yeah. in. It was a back-and-forth game of the Sunday game. When Sunday sports, the winner take off. I allowed one hit over five innings relief. That is that guy. Sorry, continue. Yeah. Um, there's a real, real two-seamer with real sink. Um, the good news for Ole Miss – well, there's two things. The good news for Ole Miss is that he started on Friday and he started on Monday. And, and you're probably going to get him on Saturday. It'll be his third start in – um, oh, you know, eight days, which now look, he threw 32 pitches on Monday that usually equates to a bullpen. It's obviously a lot more high stress than a bullpen, but I don't think tiredness will affect him. The good news for Ole Miss, though, is you've seen it um, because it's easy. So it's easy if you're just reading the scout report, it's like, oh, this kid's got a sink or whatever. And if you remember, obviously, this kid, I, I don't know this, I would have to go look this up. I don't think he threw a ton for Southern Miss last year so I don't know how great of a scouting report Ole Miss had on him but you've seen him now you know what it does you know what the ball does you know what the changeup does you know what the slider does um now look does that mean Ole Miss is going to go rocket this kid no they're not um very very few teams have been able to do that but at least you have some familiarity with how the ball moves how the fastball moves and what he's able to do and how he likes to pitch um because this is the same lineup that was in the Oxford Regional outside of Kale Baker last year so um, at least there is some familiarity with that. You're right. And actually, it's funny you mentioned the first part of that about how much of a scouting report they had on him. I'm not saying Ole Miss did or didn't have a huge scouting report. When I went through his 2021 numbers, he was a heavily used reliever for okay, something this year and really came on the last two-thirds of the season, like for or two-thirds of conference play, I should say. My first thought was, and I don't remember the construction of the 2021 Southern Miss baseball team, my first thought was, how the hell was this kid still available on a Sunday night to go as long as he did? <laughs> uh, well, I can, I can tell you a little bit of that. Um, so, so on uh, Friday in that regional, they threw Walker Powell and finished it up with Ben Etheridge, okay? And then on Saturday, they just beat the bejesus out of SEMO. Uh, so they didn't have to use anybody that was any good. And then on Sunday, I can't remember who they started, but Ryan Ock threw like six innings. 
their closer. So that's how he was available. They weren't um, – they used their – well, Ben Etheridge was their third starter, I believe, um, last year. So I don't really know what they did on Sunday from a starting perspective against Florida State. Um, but I, I, I guess what I'm saying is they did not have to use a whole lot of bullpen arms um, on, on Sunday or, or Saturday in the first game – excuse me, Saturday or Sunday in the first game. They were able to save their bullpen pretty well, which did not set up well for Ole Miss, obviously. What did you do on your birthday five years ago? What did I do on my birthday five years ago? I can actually tell you, as sad as that is, I was at an NCAA softball uh, regional game against North Carolina. Ole Miss won the regional that day. That's not that sad. I was just curious if you could remember all that. I was going to put it to the test and see what you do and don't remember. So I, this, this, You want to hear the saddest thing I did today? What is that? I got in the shower. This is, this is how my brain works, and it's so sad. I got in the shower today, and I named off every game that happened in the NCAA tournament regional round and like the result, I just went through one through 16 and was like naming it off and what the result was for all six or seven games in the regional. That's how my brain works and why I can't remember anything of use. There's a de- <laughs> Jesus. There's a decent chance that I would get one wrong in the Coral Gables super regional. I watched it. <laughs> it would just take me a minute. It's Coral- like Oregon State. Beat New Mexico State. Vandy lost San Diego. New Mexico State lost to Vandy. I'm just going through the whole thing. We could do a separate podcast on that one day where I just hit record and don't talk, and then we hit the recording button. Uh, if we get to some, uh, if we get to a tough spot in the summer, we can definitely do that. The uh, the Tanner Hall piece of it, though, you mentioned is interesting because he he did pitch Friday. He threw 109 pitches against Army. They actually needed him to be really good, and to credit he was. Yeah, that's what everyone. They, they got on barriers. Like, why are you using your ace? I'm like, well, if he didn't, he was going to be in the loser's bracket. Yeah, I was about to say, so he threw eight uh, shutout innings, scattered four hits, struck out nine, walked walk one, and they needed every bit of it to get past Army, and he throws 109 pitches. He throws 32 high-stress pitches um, on Monday against LSU. If this had been a Friday, Saturday, Sunday regional, I think we'd probably have more to talk about about regarding the strategy for Scott sure. Berry in, in terms of when you use – Tanner Hall, but I'm with you since it's a Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I think you just go with Hall on Saturday. Would it completely stun me if he held him for Sunday and tried to get him an extra day? I don't guess so, but I don't think that would be it would end up happening. But what what you mentioned was it is a um it's his third outing or excuse me, third start in eight days. And you've seen that kind of come to fruition a couple times this year with a heavily taxed arm uh in Dylan Delusia. Um, there was one where the LSU game where he wasn't where he had the pitch Texas back A&M. and Texas A&M wasn't as good. And then he throws again on Tuesday in Hoover and was not as sharp. And Dylan Delusha is a guy on full rest and pretty much by any sample size has been good pretty much any time out. And so I just point out that example to say, you know, you think, well, it's June. It doesn't matter. Well, just in terms of how sharp guys are, I think it does matter a little bit. And look, this guy, Tanner Hall, absolutely ran through uh, Conference USA play. I mean, you go up and down his start with – I mean, I'll just do it. 8, 5.2, 8, 7, 7.1, 8, 5, 8, 5, 4.1, 6.1, 8. Um, excuse me, the last one was Army. Some of that – two, of the, one of those was the Conference USA tournament. But I will point out, though, I mean, look, he's he looked human-ish at times, I'll call it. UTSA's got a pretty good offense. They got him out of the game with four runs yeah. after five innings. Middle got him out after four and a third. They scored four runs. Um, there was one more in there. It was either a FIU or a Charlotte 
maybe I have that wrong. No, excuse me. FAU actually got him pretty good. FAU scored five runs on it and spiked the kid striking uh, 10 guys out. Like he's, I mean, look, everyone's like this, but I just mean to point out he's human um, in that sense. And so he is gettable. And because he has such swing and miss stuff, his pitch count can spike um, pretty quickly. He had a couple of outings where he made it to the fifth or sixth inning and was in the 90-ish pitch mark. Um, his strikeout numbers are absurd. He has a hundred and third. Well, he excuse me. He entered to enter the regional. He entered the regional, I believe, with 139 strikeouts and 12 walks on the season. Yeah. So that's going to be the frustrating thing if this goes poorly for Ole Miss and Ole Miss fans um, on Friday. Excuse me, on Saturday at three o'clock. Um, he is not a guy that you can sit there and say, "Well, we're going to work counts." How are you going to work counts? It doesn't zone. You better hit it. He Better does not walk people. And now it is a it is now officially 140 and 13. So that I guess that was after the regional and this other side had it off. So it's 140 strikeouts, 13 walks on the year. He does not issue free passes. Yeah. So you better go swing it. Um and if old if I'm old mess, that that maybe gives me some confidence because well not confidence, but maybe that's a good matchup because almost doesn't walk anyways. Um so you know, maybe hey, you're going up there swinging, you know he's gonna be in the zone. Let's go. Um, let's see what you got. Let's see who the better the better team is. Um, Tanner Hall is elite. He's he's really really good. People will do over the week. Oh, he couldn't have done that in the SEC. He would have been one of the better arms in the SEC this year. Um, he would have been a Friday night guy in the SEC without a shadow of a doubt. And Ole Miss, if you want me to be honest, has not been good against Friday night arms in this league. Um, outside of maybe South Carolina. Um, but if we're real on South Carolina, they, they threw their best guy on, on Sunday this year in Will Sanders. Um, they have not performed as they probably should have against Friday night guys this year. And, and um, for my money, Tanner Hall certainly would be one in the SEC. And, and it'll be interesting to see if Ole Miss can kind of get that figured out. To their credit, I think Garrett Urban would have been a Friday night guy in the SEC. Um, and, and they were able to get after him a little bit. So we'll see. It's it's look. I think this offense, or excuse me, I think the super regional comes down to one thing. It's Ole Miss's offense versus Southern's pitching. I think, and I can be proven wrong on this, and 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 that's okay. Um, if Ole Miss's pitching staff blows up, then it doesn't matter. None of this matters. I think Ole Miss can hold them enough at bay um, to score. I don't know that, and, and and I've certainly seen this pitching staff have bad days before, and Southern can certainly swing it. But I, I liken this offense from Southern Miss to Arizona. And in Arizona, while they did score plenty of runs, um, did just bomb Ole Miss. So I think this comes down to: Do you think Ole Miss can hit Southern Miss pitching? And and that's what's going to decide the super regional. Yep, I'm with you there. And the uh, just to add on to your point, they had not been good against Friday night guys. The only other two I could name is they were pretty good against Connor Nolan. Like it was it was good enough, right? They found a way to get a couple runs sure. on. Them. They won a pretty tough game there on an offensive outing, and then Detmer against. Uh, Detmer for A&M is really sure. the only one only other ones I can remember and I feel like when you can count the good performances on uh, two fingers in terms of the regular season that's uh that's not what you want that's that's not great particularly when pitching is down in the SEC and look there are exceptions right like like Missouri didn't really have a Friday I got all missed scored a bunch of runs now, sure in terms of good arms I mean look Chase Burns and all three of uh, all three of Tennessee's arms are Friday night caliber arms uh and they did, did not go well there I forget who uh who Alabama started, but I don't remember that game going particularly well for the Rebels either. And then, like you said, Will Sanders is South Carolina's ace. That didn't go well either. And so some of the better arms this year, they uh, they haven't fared as well 
against. And I think you're right. I think it'll come down to, I mean, this will be Ole Miss's offense versus Southern Miss's pitching because I do think Ole Miss's pitching will be there. And I think one of the advantages that Ole Miss has, like you mentioned, when we are doing the LSU um, Southern Miss debate is that Southern Miss has not seen a Hunter Elliott. Ole Miss, uh, Southern Miss has not seen Dylan Delucia. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, That's I was about correct. to say, unless I was trying to think how, how early in the year that first game was. And, um, you know, they've seen Brandon Johnson, but it didn't necessarily go great. And that wasn't necessarily a large sample size either. And so I think that's an advantage Ole Miss has. To figure to finish out, though, with this thought with uh, Southern Miss's rotation, just to give you an idea of through most of – we were talking about this before the air – before we uh, started recording. For, um, for most of the year, they had Rickens as their number two guy for the majority of conference play and Waldrop as the third guy. And, look, they seem pretty interchangeable in terms of numbers. Both of those guys throw pretty hard. Uh, which one of the – is it – Riggins is the D, uh, the Delta State transfer, isn't he? He's that is Delta correct. He's yes. transfer, had a great career there. He's 90, 92, um, probably can get into 93. Throws four pitches pretty well from what I gathered. And then uh, Waldrop throws really, really hard with a pretty good curveball as well. Um, I mean, that's a mid-90s guy that's probably 96, 97, um, touching 97, I should say. Somewhere around there. I think um, Mason Barnett, if people remember um, from Auburn, I think that would be a good comparison for uh, Hunter Waldrop. That is a, I think that is a good comp as well. And what was interesting, though, what I was getting at was um, against LSU. So uh, Southern Miss beats Army in that first game. And, look, I'm sure it's a matchup thing or a numbers thing that we wouldn't know. Scott Barry, clearly, shock, uh, breaking news here, knows Southern Miss better than two podcasters that do one about Ole Miss. But they went with Hurston Waldrop against LSU. Um, and like I said, they seem like fairly interchangeable guys, right? They're both right-handers. They both throw pretty hard. Maybe it was a velocity thing. They thought LSU would struggle with some upper velocity. I don't really know. But I did find that interesting that they went with Waldrop in the second game of the regional when he'd been their game three starter for most of the season. Yeah, um, they, they actually did that in the tournament the week before too. So okay. um, maybe it had just been a move that, that they decided they needed to make after Middle Tennessee. I don't know. Um, so certain, certainly interesting. Um, I would expect truthfully that if, as, as long as there's no funny business with Tanner Hall and they're not going to hold him for Sunday to get him extra rest, I would certainly expect a rotation of, uh, Tanner Hall, Hunter Waldrop and, and, uh, Hunter Riggins. That, that would be the, the rotation I expect to see in Hattiesburg this weekend. And the good news for Ole Miss is none of those guys throw with their left hand. Just a guess sure. because we were talking about it. Do you, who do you think would go second? Oh, no, I, I mean, I think Waldrop would be second. I'm pretty confident in that as long as – and I could be wrong, but um, just the way they've managed the past two weekends, I don't and, – and Waldrop certainly threw well last weekend against LSU. He was not the reason they lost the baseball game. Um, frankly, uh, and here's what's funny about that LSU deal. They kicked LSU's teeth in for all but one inning in those three games. So, um, no, in complete fairness, Ole Miss kicked their teeth in for three games um, and – didn't didn't lose one inning, so um, it'll be interesting for sure. Um, but I, I certainly expect Waldrop to to throw game two as long as Tanner Hall throws game one. Southern Miss, from a lineup standpoint, is a decent lineup. Um, we they showed some resiliency over the weekend. They were fourth, fifth in most statistical offensive statistical categories. It's certainly not the offense that Ole Miss saw a year ago. Um, this is definitely a team that's uh, built around its pitching. They have a lot of bullpen depth. Ole Miss has seen a couple of their guys. They saw Rodgers. They saw Ramsey. 
they saw the best kid in one more that I had written down, but I can't find it right now throughout the midweek, but they did not see, um, Oh, Harper, uh, the, the closer, um, Harper, and they did not see one other arm in there as well. Point being, Ole Miss has seen flashes of what I would say is LSU, uh, Southern Miss's better arms. Uh, Landon Harper, sorry, I was blanking. They've not seen Dalton. They've seen Dalton Rogers, and they have not seen Isaiah Rhodes, I believe, was the other one. Matthew Adams is a guy that used a lot, a decent bit too. He actually started one of the games. I think it was the game that Ole Miss won. Yeah. So Ole Miss actually has some familiarity with Southern Miss's uh, bullpen. Harper has become their uh, – I would say become their closer. They got five, they got four guys with at least four saves, but uh, he's he seems like the guy they've gone to in the ninth most of the time, although last week they closed the game out with him pitching the eighth inning. So it's a pretty malleable bullpen, but they do, like Ole Miss, have some depth, but I feel like Ole Miss has a decent amount of familiarity with them. I do. Um, I, I think and, – and I could certainly be proven wrong on this, but I, I do think that um, last year's – uh, facing Tanner Hall is, is a pretty big deal for Ole Miss. Um, I don't – this would not go well for Ole Miss if this were their first time seeing him. And I get it. It was a whole whole year ago, but um, same lineup, right, um, for, for most intense purposes. I actually probably need to go look and see what Ole Miss started in the lineup that night and see how many guys played. But I certainly, uh, I certainly think that's an advantage. And, and like you said, there's familiarity among the bullpen. Look, Southern – so some people will do, and, and, and I even said this, um, some people will do, well, I'm glad they're playing a CUSA team. They'll run out of pitching. No, they won't. They're not going to run out of pitching. So um, I understand what happened in Louisiana Lafayette in 2014 um, where ULL was just running after, running out dude after dude after dude, trying to get Ole Miss out. Um, this is not going to be that. Ole Miss will have to go earn it. Now, am I saying that Ole Miss can't get after some of these guys? Absolutely not. I'm not saying that at all. It just won't simply be because they ran out of pitching like Louisiana in 2014 and Arizona in 2022. Uh, yeah, no, that's not happening this weekend. I think a pretty good uh, ULL team. I mean, look, they, they were on some back-end guys, but, I mean, it took them to kind of the very end of that <laughs> pitching. Um, they were still pretty pretty decent for the most of that super as well. Uh, Southern Miss offensively, as I mentioned before, I kind of got sidetracked by the bullpen thing. That was just the last note I had. It's a decent offense. They don't hit the ball over the fence um, a ton. I mean, they got a, a Christopher Sargent does. He has 21 home runs. They got a couple guys 16. But when you get into conference play, they only had two dudes with double-digit home runs. It was Sargent and uh, Will McGillis. And so, they, they – I mean, look, they all got pretty decent OPSs. They got – four dudes that would – or three guys that would qualify with over 300 average on-base percentage across the board is all right. It's a good CUSA offense. It is not a uh, – I wouldn't say it's a uh, plus, I don't know, NCAA tournament offense. I would say it's pretty run-of-the-mill. Um, you kind of have two guys that you really have to worry about. And beyond that, it's don't make mistakes um, because you, these guys are gettable. So, they don't walk a ton. Um, let me pull this up because I actually uh... – if I can find it, I actually have a pretty good comp for Southern Miss's offense, but um, my spreadsheet's not. Oh, all right, here we go. So here are Southern Miss's numbers for the year. They hit. So this is their starters. I actually pulled out the guys that don't play a whole lot. Um, I took Montenegro, uh, one of the catchers, and, and Blake Johnson, another catcher. Both of them started games in the regional, I do believe. Um, as a team, their starters hit 280 on the year and have a 380 OBP, 
and a if I can find their slug, a 478 slug, good for an 858 OPS. Remember that number, 858. Um, here's Arizona. Okay, here's their starters. They hit 287. Um, they had an OBP of 378, a 468 slug, and an 846 OPS. Um, so a little bit lower than Southern, but you have to remember Southern played the uh, number 50 schedule in America, according to warrennolan.com, and, and Arizona played the number 28. So, And when you get to, to add on to that, when you get to Pac-12 play, you talk about the arms and the arm depth and the way they play baseball. Sure. Dude, that's definitely tougher. Right. So, so I think they're um, at least comparable. And, and I don't I'm, – I'm probably going to eat crow for saying this. At no point was I worried or scared of the Arizona offense. And, and I don't mean that as in Arizona can't hit, and I certainly don't mean that as Southern Miss can't hit. I just mean that when I watched that game, I, I didn't think that Arizona's offense was going to be the reason that Ole Miss lost the game. I thought if Ole Miss was going to lose a baseball game, it was going to be because of Ole Miss's offense. And I, and I kind of feel that way this weekend. Could Southern Miss explode on Dylan Belushi or Hunter Elliott? Sure, they're, they're certainly talented. And I certainly saw last year that they can swing it. Um, but I, I just have a hard time believing that the Super Regional comes down to anything more than Ole Miss's offense against Southern Miss's pitching. I think that is the key. Um, and And – it can go either way. I mean, I've seen two different versions of this offense all year. I've seen a good version of this offense, um, and I've seen this offense against South Carolina and Mississippi State and Arkansas have uncompetitive at-bats in key situational spots. So, um, no, from, from that perspective, Southern Miss's offense, while good and while talented, I don't think will be the reason Ole Miss does not go to the College World Series. I'm with you there. Um, you know, it, it's one of the things that came to mind last year after watching, and, you know, in Tennessee this year qualifies well, but 2021 Arizona, a zero felt like an accomplishment, a somewhat stress-free inning or literally just getting off the field without them scoring felt like a pretty big accomplishment and a significant moment in the game. I didn't get that feeling watching the 2022 Arizona offense, and I think the same could be said for Southern Miss, albeit completely capable. But those I think some people can relate to what I'm talking about if you kind of like watch a game – and you have an interest in one side to where it feels like, like with some offenses, one through eight or one through nine, it, it feels like an accomplishment to get off the field and get a zero because there's no break in it. That's not necessarily the case there. Um, just bouncing around a couple of random notes I had. We got Montenegro brothers this time, but I yeah. would, we, we might have a weird comp here between Ole Miss and Southern Miss. Gabe Montenegro, who was terrific last year, veteran player for them, started every game. He hit 345. He walked a ton. He didn't strike out, and he was a hell of a leadoff hitter for them and was supposed to be this year. This year, he's 280, had really struggled in conference play, and it's slid down to the eight hole. Who does that sound like to you? Um, I want to I wanna Google something because I, I, uh, I'm not one to uh, say something and, and not fact check it, maybe like, um, you know, a, a guy from uh, – the ESPN broadcast. Did you see that this weekend that they accused the kid, the poor Evan Russell kid? Did you see this? I did. The answer to my riddle was Peyton Chatney, by the way. Do what? Oh, Peyton Chatney. I'm sorry. Did that sound I, kind of similar? I can't say this for 100% certainty, but I'm pretty sure that Gabe Montenegro, and if you're looking at their stats, you can tell me. Pretty sure he missed a large portion of the season or at least a little bit of the season and didn't play. Is that accurate as far as from his game started and appearances? Dave Montenegro, he started 
all he started and played every all but one conference game and no he started all 62 games this year okay never mind then i he, thought he has missed some time but i think he's a younger player and i don't think he cracked in the lineup but uh the younger one only has 31 starts rodrigo the catcher but we got some brothers that'll yeah. that'll throw some people for some confusion this weekend can't wait. oh that'll be good okay so what i was thinking i just remember um listening to the first game and, and david kellum saying that uh, a Southern Miss player had missed some time with an eye issue, and I just wondered if that was him was what I was wondering, but I couldn't find that. Um, and, and certainly if he's not missed time, then it certainly wasn't him. I don't know who it would be. I just remember uh, Kellum saying that as I listened to the radio during the first game. Um, no, it's, it's certainly um, – Gabe Montenegro has been there since approximately 2004. Um, he's a 17th-year senior. I think he's 40 years old. Um, so – and I'm being a little facetious, but it does feel like he has been the leadoff guy forever and obviously had a tough year, um, but had a really, really massive hit um, to win that game on Monday, I believe. I believe it was the Monday game. So certainly an older guy with a veteran presence in that lineup that, you know, while he's moved down in the lineup, and I believe Paltow is now leading off, um, certainly a guy that can make you pay if, if you don't pitch him carefully. And he's a guy, um, if Ole Miss fans remember this name, uh, Tanner Mathis is a cop that I believe you could have for him. He's, he's just going to fight and fight and fight. He's got a little bit of power, um, but he's a guy that's going to try to go to the opposite field, and, and he's going to be a tough, tough out for sure. And then the two guys you got to worry about from a power standpoint, Christopher Sargent, Will McGillis. Um, yeah. Wilkins plays a decent bit for them and he's got pretty decent numbers but outside of that it's kind of a one-two punch there in the middle and then it's like I said it's a good conference Dickerson's good yeah fine um, yeah I don't know I don't really know what else to say from that standpoint look if Ole Miss so are they should be fine if they don't Southern Miss is definitely good enough to make them pay so so they don't strike out a ton um, almost will have to continue to be good defensively. I know the errors happened in the game on Monday. I don't actually care because that game was over in the fifth inning. Um, if you're looking at their stats page, how many times did they sacrifice Bunny this year? It'd be obviously the SH column. Because um, I, I feel like watching them a good bit, they, 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 they'll lay one down. 29. Okay, so they do not mind putting a bunt down. Um, so. You have to obviously defend that when, and be ready for that if guys are on base. Uh, it's going to be a good series, man. It's going to be a really good series. It's two quality ball clubs, two, two I think, evenly matched ball clubs. Um, that It just depends on who, who plays well and, and, and is able to execute at a higher level. Um, I, like I said, I don't think either team is going to walk out of this weekend and say, hey, we're just that much better than the other team. No, I, I think these are – two evenly matched programs for sure, or, or well, I should say like this, two evenly matched teams. Yep, I uh, I agree there. Looking at it from Ole Miss and from just a couple of strategic standpoints, I saw earlier today yeah. that Ole Miss announced, I mean, pretty expectedly here, Dylan DeLucia, Hunter Elliott, and then TBA. Does that tell you anything regarding clearly the – It tells me Derek Diamond would not start game three. I think that is the case as well. And I know Ole Miss had done that at times earlier this year, but – um. I don't think so either. And we talked about this, and now the now is we, I kind of held off on like the deeper conversation. I feel like on that. You, oh wow, we have a we have a hold on, we we have a rotation for Southern Miss. Hunter, uh, Hurston and Waldrop will start game one. Wow. Whoa. Uh, okay. I'm glad this happened. Tanner Hall will start game. Um, Hunter, or excuse me, Tanner Hall will start game two, and then Hunter Riggins would start game three. 
Okay. What uh what do you make of that? Um they're getting them some extra rest and they 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 trust the other kid to uh to get it done. I think I make this I make the same thing. So that's a kid that had been again as we outlined Hunter Waldrop been their Sunday guy but was their number 2 guy for the conference tournament and then had the start and really what was their most important game of the year at that point, right? The winners bracket game against LSU. Um and so that's interesting. So they are holding off for another day. I would have figured he'd have gone ahead and done it. I isn't that a smart move? We talked about look, is is it different making a third start in nine days versus eight? But no, when you talk about but when we talked about Dylan Delucia and like rest actually mattering in terms of how sharp someone is, um, nine is better than eight. I can <laughs> I can tell you that much. And so I don't necessarily uh I mean, I'm not gonna say I hate or love the move either way. I, I don't have any strong opinions on it. I, I find that to be a shrewd move. No, I have no issues with it. I'm always, uh, I've always been in the camp that I wished um, Mike Bianco would have held Drew Pomerantz for a game three um, against Virginia. Um, now, I don't know if it would have made that much difference, but I just think uh, him being on an extra day rest, maybe the blister doesn't explode. Maybe his fastball is a little sharper, that type of thing. So, no, I, I have, um, I, I can't fault a man for, um, for getting a guy an extra day rest for sure. Um, especially, you know, obviously when, with him pitching on Monday. So, uh, no, I, I think this is fine. Um, but I think, uh, I think it, I think it puts some pressure on Ole Miss to win game one. Now, do, do you, Tanner, you led me right where I was going to go. Ole Miss better take advantage. Can you beat of Tanner Hall? Yeah. Can you beat Tanner Hall? I think so. Um, but I wouldn't want to have to put myself in that situation. That's that's that, that is the the perfect way to encapsulate it. Is the guy unbeatable and is it a death sentence? No, but do you really want to fend off elimination in your season ending with Tanner Hall, the award winner, 139 strikeouts, 12 walks on the line? Right now, well, I want to put it this way: um, in 2014, ULL did the same thing. They held Baranek for the second game and, and uh, threw Robicho in the first game. And Robicho obviously was not as good as, as Baranek and almost lost to Baranek. Excuse me, almost lost to Robicho and then beat Baranek. Um, so, you know, it's baseball. Things happen. Um, but, you know, I, I just think it would behoove Ole Miss to win game one. And, and I'll, I'll go ahead and make this projection. I'm sure we're going to project. Um, I think Ole Miss does win game one. I, I do. So we'll see. I'm not going – we'll obviously, I'm sure, make them at the end as far as who we think is going to win the Super. But I do think Ole Miss wins the first game um, against Hurston Waldrop. We saw a change in the lineup for Ole Miss um, on the – in the winter – not the winter takeoff, excuse me, the, the regional final um, with Garrett Wood making his first career start, Calvin Harris going into the outfield. If you're like Bianco – do you do the same thing? And I understand this is partly contingent on the health of TJ McCants, but I do think, look, if TJ McCants weren't healthy and was still hitting okay, and I won't say good because obviously if he were, weren't healthy and still producing fine, then what is the point of the conversation? If he were still okay, he might have left him in there. Um, but since he was struggling really bad and didn't seem – well, definitely was not completely healthy, Mike went ahead and made a mo the move along with getting trying to get something out of the Leatherwood spot. What do you do if you're Ole Miss regarding that Leatherwood and McCants' slot in the lineup? Um, wow. Give me – let's see. I think I'd just play Wood if I'm crazy. So, I'll, I'll ask you this. At the end of the game – on, I believe, Monday, 
TJ McCants went into play right field, which which told me, hey, if they're up twenty-two to six and he's playing right field, he's healthy. Do you give any consideration to playing Wood still at third base and then playing McCants in right field and and only replacing one starter? Um, I, I don't know. I, I really don't. I I think if it were me, if I'm honest. It's hard for me to give up, especially against right-handed pitching. It is hard for me to give up on T.J. McCants. I get the numbers are bad. I understand that. It is hard for me to give up on him. Um, but it, it brings into question, well, who do you who do you bring in the lineup? Is it Wood or, or Harris if you're wanting to replace Leatherwood? Um, and I think Wood obviously makes your defense better, and Harris certainly makes your offense better. Um and if I've said all week that I think this is Ole Miss's offense versus Southern Miss's pitching, I would start Calvin Harrison right field and, and put Justin Bench at third base and, and TJ McCants in center field. I think that's what I would do. So you're asking, I thought, I kind of, I mean, look, it was, it was against Arizona that had run out of pitching and the game turned into a farce. But like, I kind of liked what Garrett Wood gave them. He gave them three. I did too. And, and, and that's hard for me because he was good. But, the sample size certainly leads towards Calvin Harris being the, the more consistent offensive player. Oh, yeah. No, that's undoubted. I think what you – can you make the argument if you do the wood – if you do wood at third base um, and, as you mentioned, bench and center and tank and right, does that help your defense at all? Say that again. Cut out on me for a second. Yeah, sorry. So if you do, if, if you put Wood in thir- at third base and McCants in right, as you suggested, does that help your outfield defense at all with a bench and center McCants in right as opposed to, I mean, clearly Leatherwood being out there would be worse, but like a Harris that's out there yeah. just as a hitter? Yeah, I think it does. Um, I don't know. It's, I, I don't. You're not going to have much fall off, obviously, or any fall off to me, really, from from Hayden Leatherwood to, to Calvin Harris. Um, and then the question becomes: Do you how much better defensively do you come if become if Garrett Woods at third base versus uh, Calvin Harris in right field? And is that worth maybe what you don't get off defensively? I don't know the answer to that question. Um, that's that's a question that that's tough to answer because you haven't seen a lot of them play lately, right? You you this lineup's kind of been settled in even. Against left-handed pitching, Hayden Leatherwood's played. So it's just kind of tough, and, and it's kind of going to be something that uh, Mike has to go on feel about. I thought it was I thought it was the right move, um, if this makes sense, against Arizona. Because while uh, Wood had, had certainly had a good day, um, I didn't think that Ole Miss was going to struggle to hit that day. So I thought the, the right move was to go for the defense. Um, and T.J. McCannis needed to come out, whether it was rest or whether it was just he wasn't playing well. Um, I thought that was certainly the right move. But in a situation where you're probably going to need a good bit more offense, it's certainly a decision that he'll have to make. And I'm certainly interested to see what he does with it. I am too. Uh, It almost feels like a broken record stating this. It wouldn't surprise me if he did end up doing that because I think the uh, rigid Bianco thing is kind of invalid and outdated at this point. Hell, I mean, if if he threw – Actually, I won't go that far. I was going to say, like, I don't know, like a Banks Tolly or something out there. It wouldn't completely stun me. Um, that was actually the the, the uh, hypothetical Chase brought up. Yeah. The, uh, before, before Mike actually did it in the regional final, it wasn't Garrett Wood. It was a Banks Tolly in the outfield. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm not, we're not going to debate whether Banks Tolly will get a start this week. And I just meant it's uh, – <laughs> It would it wouldn't stun me if Mike made the move because, look, he's proven to be pretty flexible. and um. 
I don't know. It, 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 it's going to be fascinating. But that is another piece of this is on both sides, everything seems pretty set. There's not a whole lot of strategic maneuvering in terms of just in-game lineup stuff that is going to have a dramatic effect on this series, uh, particularly now that we know Southern's rotation that they're holding Hall the other day. The rest of it just kind of is what it is, right? Can, you know, can Ole Miss utilize the presumed slight advantage it has with the Dylan DeLucia? And can they take advantage of that? And then, I mean, look, honestly, if Ole Miss wins game one, with the way Hunter Elliott's pitch and the confidence he's pitching with, I'll put it to you this way. Would you rather have, not knowing which game it was in, in the series, would you rather have Hunter Elliott against uh, Tanner Hall on the other side or Dylan DeLucia? Hunter Elliott. Um, I think they I mean, that's my answer as well. Yeah. And, and that's not a slight at um, Dylan DeLucia. I think Dylan DeLucia has been good outside of the start against uh, Texas A&M. But, you know, uh, his numbers are a little inflated. Dylan uh, pitched better than what his numbers were at Arizona or against Arizona, I should say. Um, so yeah, I think if, if look, if Ole Miss's season's on the line, um, how funny does this sound? If Ole Miss's season is on the line, there's nobody else that I want more than a left-handed kid with stringy hair wearing number 26. I feel like I've been here before. <laughs> yeah, uh, we certainly have. Um, how about Tucson in 2020, 2021? Or uh, in 2019. And, look, that's another piece of this and to kind of put a bow on, you know, our last couple of conversations regarding Hunter Elliott. I feel like if if he hadn't have pitched the way he did in the regional, and it was building this way anyway, but, look, the regular season's a different animal. If he hadn't have pitched the way he did against Miami, I probably would have brought it up as a footnote on the podcast is, in a super regional, is the moment going to be too big for this kid? Or in a postseason, no. is it too big for this kid? That's, as a true freshman – that's not a question. I, I, that's not something I think about. And it even extends beyond that. I mean, you look at Mason Nichols, another kid out of the bullpen. I mean, look, they bridged the game directly to Brandon Johnson against Miami with two true freshmen. And so I guess my point in that, it starts with Elliott, but the true freshman arms that Ole Miss has used and even just the younger ones, now it's whatever. I don't really have that question with them, which you can't really say every year, particularly if you have a younger pitching staff. Yeah, um, certainly true. It's uh... – Look, they've got five guys that are really, really, really good. Um, when you talk about Delusia and Elliott and you talk about um, Josh Mounts, Mason Nichols, and Brandon Johnson, they have pitched extremely well over the last month. Um, and John Gaddis and Jack Washburn and Jack Doherty have been fine. Um, I, you know, elite like those guys, probably not, but, but still trustworthy out of the bullpen. Um, and that gives you – look, that's eight guys that, that you don't – you know, mind putting on the mountain super regional. That's that's a good combination to have. Now, I will say this. I listed eight guys there. Those are your guys. Um, if Ole Miss has to go deeper than that, Ole Miss is in trouble, I think. Um, but I think those guys can, can certainly find success this weekend. And I think if Ole Miss can just sustain and manage it correctly where nobody has to pitch besides those eight, then, then I think things could go well for the Rebels. Who starts a game three? Jack Washburn. I think that's my answer, too. What if I told you Jack Doherty had not pitched yet? I think my answer is still Washburn. It's still Washburn. I don't think Doherty's role is as a starter. I know he started and did well uh, in in the game against Southern Miss, 
Um, but I just don't think his role fits uh, right now. Now that could develop and change over time, but I just don't think what he does benefits or um, computes to him being a starter at this current moment. I'm with you. I can't tell you how on earth this would be the case, but what if <laughs> you're going to go Milets, are you? Yeah, that was my next one. Look, let's uh, Dylan Delucia goes nine because Ole Miss is up like five nothing in the eighth, and sure. Mike kind of puts the pedal on the gas and says, "Hey, my workhorse. I've done this spot, you know, seven eight times this year. If I can get all nine out of this kid, um, good luck tomorrow. You get another pretty good one against uh, with." Hunter Elliott say they like lose a. I don't know how it would get to a game three, but you lose a close one like two to one, where it's like Elliott Nichols Johnson. Anyway, if Mallets is available, is it still Washburn? Yes, I, I don't. Two of these older. That well, they're the same age, aren't they? Washburn is. Did oh. he transfer from Oregon State? Yeah, but how many years? I don't know why I thought. I thought it was just one. But here's my reasoning. I don't think Mike Bianco is going to ask a kid that has not made a start all year to start the biggest game of the year in game three of a Super Regional. Um, I do think – so So this – I thought it was two. My bad. Anyway, continue. So, so, so this is maybe a little bit of the pitching coach coming out in me. Um, I don't think people understand, like, you can't just be bullpen guy, bullpen guy, bullpen guy. Oh, God, I have to go start in a massive game. Now, can you do that randomly on an SEC weekend? Sure. Um, but I, I do think there is an art to, to knowing your body and knowing what you need to do to be an efficient starter. Um, and it's not as simple as, well, just go warm up like you do for the bullpen. I don't really think it's that simple. I think there's a lot of logistical things that go into it. I, I, I don't believe that Mike Bianco, and I could be wrong on this. It happened last year with a guy like Taylor Broadway. I understand that. Um, but Taylor Broadway was a senior and, and you know, I, I don't, I just don't, and it frankly didn't go well, not not of Taylor Broadway's fault, but um, Arizona was really, really good. I, I don't think Mike is going to, again, start a guy that has not made a start all year. I think you're correct, too, and I think that's why it's the right answer. Washburn actually is a junior, but they only have they, – they screwed me up here. They only listed him as – whoa, now this is really breaking my brain. We're about to get off into a <laughs> podcasting rabbit hole. I don't understand this. No, yeah, he pitched. He, he's two years. He pitched twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one at Oregon State. He's a. Okay. I thought he was okay. a little bit older. Look, that doesn't matter. That's that's still a bad answer. A sophomore versus a junior. But I was like, I could have sworn it was two years there. Um, okay. Anyway, doesn't matter. But I'm with you as well. I think the answer is Washburn. Is there? I haven't looked at the lefty righty stuff with uh, Southern Miss. Is there? Any so, I'll, I'll say this as I have not either. Jackson Kimbrell had a field day against. Uh, Southern Miss when they played down there in, in, in May before going to Baton Rouge and sweeping that series. I don't know this. I honestly God don't. But I do wonder if Jackson Kimbrell had this amount of success that he did, if there is some struggles against left-handed pitching. Again, I have not looked at that. Um, frankly, that's something I probably should do. You're suggesting that on Gaddis's behalf not to start Jackson Kimbrell in game three. Correct. Yes, yes. That is a, a – should they use um, – Yeah, um, because they both throw it their left hand. It's a good point, though. Right. And, you know, as I'm saying this, I'm trying to find um, their left-handed stats. I can't find them right now. Um, but, you know, it's uh, – if, if Jackson Kimball was able to have that type of success, then obviously you would hope that maybe a John Gaddis would too. But, um, you know, it's uh, 
it'll be interesting. That's that's for sure. It's it's going to be, um, and and you know, Gaddis is really the only left-hander that's thrown any innings of consequence. Frankly, I don't remember Jackson Kimbrell having thrown since that night in in Hattiesburg. So um, I could be wrong on that, but I don't think I am. It's uh, it'll be interesting because because if 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 they're not a team that struggles with you know right-handed pitching, Ole Miss doesn't have a whole lot to to counter that with for sure. Yep. Last thing before we kind of get into the regional picks, I feel like we just about covered it. Um, defense. I won't go the radio segment keys to the series defense <laughs> back after this commercial, but Southern Miss is a really good defensive team. They don't yes. have a ton of errors. Ole Miss has not been that. Ole Miss was a good defensive team, I thought, in the regional. I know they made two errors in the regional final. Like you said, one of them was on Wood making his first start at third base. The other was on Gonzalez, who had played really good defense and helped Ole Miss out throughout the regional. I'm not – excusing it because this team certainly doesn't get the benefit of the doubt when it comes to defense. But that I think that is going to be crucial in this series. The way Ole Miss has played defensively over the last – I'm just making up a number here or estimating a number here, 12-ish games, um, needs to continue because, um, you know, with the type of pitching – I'm changing my answer to game three, by the way. My answer is now John Gaddis. You find your way into they, some they, stats or something? They, 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 those numbers go down versus lefties. Okay, there we go. I'm uh, glad we got there. But so, like the, but like uh, the Sorry. defensive side of it, um, like that, I think that will play a role because Southern Miss is a pretty good defensive team, pretty solid. And I, I don't know, like if Ole Miss kicks the ball around, I don't know if they could survive a two-error game with Tanner Hall on the mound. I guess is my point. Like if particularly if one of them leads to like an unearned run, um, and you tell me Southern Miss gets three earned runs like that that could be proven to be pretty huge. And so I, I don't really have much of a, a nuanced take there. I've just wanted to point out that Ole Miss needs to play good defense like it has the last 12 games because the little shit like that is what matters in these tight super regional games. So I don't believe in a whole lot of the coaching cliches that, that I hear and that I've you know, learned growing up and whatnot. I do believe in this one. Uh, big games are not won. They're lost. Um don't be the team that screws it up. Don't be the team that throws the ball. And I know this is easy for me to say from my couch, um, you know, eating potato chips. I understand that I'm aware. But don't be the guy – don't be the team that throws the ball away in the eighth inning when you're up one run. Or don't be the team that walks four um, in an inning or whatnot. You got to be the team that throws strikes and doesn't doesn't screw up because I do believe in that. Big games aren't won. They're lost. Um, and and certainly, you know, you want to be the team that, that – um, doesn't lose it um, because it would be critical for this program to go to the College World Series this year. Yes, it will. And they are two wins away, which is kind of hard to believe. I thought about teasing the top of this podcast by saying this was going to be an hour and a half. It should be Anko be fired content. Um, but <laughs> as, I, as I wrote in the Monday night, uh, to, I guess I sent that actually Tuesday night newsletter. Um, as we talked about in the pods, like I don't really want to have this conversation until it's over. Like I don't, I, I get the discussion and I'm not here to do the thought police and lecture people on what to say and what to think and what to discuss or whatever. But I just don't understand. It's like they finally got, look, regardless of how bad the regular season was and all that, they, they, I would say, rectified it by getting through the regional. Now they're just in the same position where we all thought they'd be. Maybe people thought it would be an option Mississippi two wins away from none of that mattering. I would just like to see the result first before any of that is, like, I guess, relevant. Because, look, if they go to – if they lose in two or they lose in three, the moment the ball hits the glove for the last out and ends their season, that absolutely becomes the conversation, right? Like, look, if, if, if we come here on Monday 
and or whenever it is and do the post the uh, the wrap up podcast yes we'll wrap up like what happened but you know what we'll be talking about what the overarching conversation will be right but sure. my point is, i guess until then i just i don't have a lot of interest in it honestly i'm kind of exhausted by it no i'm, I'm not talking about it till till monday till it's relevant um and hopefully it's not relevant hopefully i'm booking an airbnb and, and Omaha, Nebraska. By the way, those uh, you know, Airbnbs you could used to could get deals on, not not anymore. Um, expensive. So, um, certainly, certainly will be a cop topic of conversation if Ole Miss isn't able to win two games this weekend. But um, for now, I, I just don't really feel like that's that's fair. I, frankly, I don't feel like that's a fair conversation um, right now. The, the guy just won a regional. Can we can we just can we at least let this play out? Um, I understand the angst and the frustration over the lack of super regional wins. I get that. But um, they're here again. If if they don't get it done, it's certainly a conversation worth having. And if they do get it done, it's certainly a conversation not worth having. Let's make some picks. All right. Can we, can we, can we do Ole Miss last at least? Yeah, you read my mind there. I was going to go do it, do it last. <laughs> um, these aren't in any particular order. This is just some random site that listed them. They're certainly not in chronological order. What is this site doing? This makes no sense. Anyway, it doesn't, doesn't matter. We do have the Friday and Saturday game. Friday starts and Saturday starts grouped together. So congrats to – oh, this is – Okay, so com. I have a, I have a pet peeve. What's your pet peeve? Um, can we just pick winners and not 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 how many games? Because because like I don't know, I just want to pick who I think is going to win the series. I don't know how many games it's going going to take. That's fine. If you have a strong opinion about one and you want to say two, or okay, three, uh, we can do that. But yeah, look, we let me Fair enough. anyways. Um, Notre Dame, Tennessee. I'm gonna do it. I'm doing it. I'm gonna do it. Notre Dame. I'd... And maybe it's just my hatred, but I'm I'm taking. Them. You stole my thunder, but not really. I'm doing it. This is a look. I'm, I'm. I'm. I don't. I am not superstitious. I'm not even a little stitious, as Michael Scott would say. I. I do believe in karma and the baseball god. Sometimes I don't believe the baseball gods punish guys for bat flipping. I do believe the baseball gods might strike one of their bolts down for flipping off an outfielder as you're rounding second to uh, to go field his double that he hit. I, this is all. So this is all – I don't even call it heart. This is all just – I don't even know if I call it Spike. an annoyance. This is an annoyance pick. I am going Notre Dame. This is a karma pick. I, I, I can't in good faith even argue this on anything else. Just Notre Dame. I, I just I, – I can't do the Tennessee thing. Did you see the OutKick article today, uh, published yesterday? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That, I don't care. I finally fired off a tweet about it today while it worked. So, Chad Withrow, um, who's not a terrible writer, um, I, he worked – I can't remember where he worked before uh, going to work for Clay Travis, but I remember reading some of his stuff, and he's not a terrible writer. Here's his column. By playing the role of villain, Tennessee has single-handedly raised the profile of a niche sport. All of college baseball should send Tony Vitello, Jordan Beck, and the entire Vols baseball team a bouquet of flowers to thank them. I, I – I'll let you go first. I don't know where to start with how th with this. As someone that has watched college baseball for a long time and 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 care, like I, you know, I, obviously I can't do a whole lot for the product, but I do care that the product um, is is better and better each year. Um, that annoys me because if that if the way Tennessee has acted is the way, so first off, I don't believe that crap. Second off, if that is the way that we are going to draw viewers to college baseball, then I don't want. Um, 
and and maybe that's old school me and i don't believe i have a lot of old school stuff in me but um no uh even if that's true i don't want it to be true if that makes sense i don't want new viewers because tennessee is flipping off people or um you know flipping bats at, at auburn's dugout or whatever um secondly it's not true people aren't tuning in to watch tennessee baseball um they're tuning in to watch stars now if you want to argue that hey they're tuning in to see chase burns and, and dolander and those guys then yeah i'm in on that they're not tuning in because tennessee acts like a bunch of pricks running the bases how many people last year that are casual baseball fans could name or this year could name tennessee's rotation and you don't even have to answer that part of it. How many could name Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker last year? Which one? <laughs> Fair enough. Not many. It's but it's Leiter and Rocker by a mile, is it not? Leiter. Yes. And Rocker, oh like, yeah, 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 yeah. We were getting yes, easy yes. about them in February. Kumar right? Rocker changed the sport. He did, and we, we, I know we did the whole thing last year and talking about the the two guys versus Nikhazy and Hogan. That's not really my point here. They were superstars. Whether you thought they were the best in the yes. SEC. Like, you know what I mean? Those were superstars, and they were fun to watch pitch. I'm not saying Burns and the rest of those guys aren't fun to watch pitch, but, like, you had two actual superstars at Vandy last year, and that, I thought, raised the profile of the sport. Like, this is just such – I'm guessing this guy's a Tennessee guy, but, like, don't you – I read this column, and my thought at the end of it was, this is how what, what most people, Tennessee baseball fans that are probably new fans, think, and it's how they think. And it reeks of, like – I, I mean, I've said throughout the season they, they're like new money people. This is the guy that made a couple smart investments in, within or started a company that did pretty well within a certain industry, and he thinks the industry did not exist before him. And he may be loud and he may be obnoxious, <laughs> but not only is he making a ton of money and is he really good and does he have practices that rub people the wrong way, he thinks other people should be thanking them for raising the baseline of said industry when in reality you're probably <laughs> – just an asshole that wears a vest and sits in board meetings. Like I did, this was so, this was so unbelievable to me. Like the, the, the fact that Tennessee has single-handedly raised the profile of a, a niche sport. Like what are you what are you talking about? Have you seen the stadiums at Arkansas, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, A and M? I mean, if you watch the postseason in the last three years, where more and more eyeballs come on it, I would feel like every year for the last half decade or more. I mean, we've had some great postseason moments. The Coastal Run. I'm not saying Coastal's drawing more eyeballs than the College World Series, but we talked about this on uh, Sunday or Monday with all the streaming and stuff. It's become more and more of a, a like more eyeballs. I even used the Clay Travis example, right? I was like, wow. Whatever you think of Clay Travis, a guy like that tweeting about, man, do you know how many elimination games are there? The product. And more eyeballs getting on it because of streaming and viewing and the excitement of it is what's raising it. Not some team that acts like a bunch of assholes all the time. And look, I actually think Tennessee as a villain is kind of a fun storyline. But you don't have to. Oh, no, that's fine. That doesn't mean I love everything they're doing. Vandy was a villain. I think the Vitello stuff is over the top. I think flipping off the guy when you're rounding second just makes you look like an idiot. I don't even think that looks cool. So, like, I get all of that, and it's kind of a fun heel storyline, like wrestling type. But to say they're raising the profile of a niche sport is just absurd. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. How much of the casual baseball fan can name two players on Tennessee's team? Where if you said last year, name me two Vanderbilt players, I guarantee you a casual fan spitting out Kumar Rocker, Jack Leiter. That's my point. What a delusional mindset. Yeah. Yeah. And, and here's the thing about villains. Like, Vandy was the villain. Well, Vandy was the villain to everybody outside of Oxford, Mississippi, and Nashville last year. But, you know what I mean? Like, Vanderbilt has always been this villain because, hey, they play on 25 scholarships, and it's easy to hate them. And their players kind of act like pricks. They don't act like Tennessee. 
Um, Tim Corbin would lose his mind if they acted like Tennessee. But, you know, Bandy kind of acts like they're better than you. And, and, and that's fun to dislike, if you know what I mean. Like, it's a, it's, and I'm not trying to call it like respectful hate, but I don't like Vandy. I don't like Vandy baseball. But I can tell you this had, had Vandy gone to Knoxville, Tennessee, I would have wore a Vandy baseball hat and maybe whistle. <laughs> that's, it's just, I saw that. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. They really do though. I mean, like I, I don't I don't like to get off in like the Twitter weeds and talk about like college baseball fan bases based on their Twitter contingency, but like there is a lot of vibes of hey, this sport didn't exist until two years ago when we became good. It's like what, what are you talking about? It's just it's unbelievable to me. So I'm glad we spent two, three minutes on that because I had to get that off my chest. But what a world we're living in, though, right? That that Notre Dame is putting out the villain, hopefully. Yes, they, they oh, yes, exactly. It's it's, right. it's quite the inverse. It's it's it really is un, unbelievable. I'm also um, kind of rooting for another because they got screwed. Yeah, I'm with you there as well. And honestly, I mean, Tennessee played with its food a little bit. They were down in the ninth inning against Georgia Tech. Campbell had them on, oh, the, yeah. on the ropes. I just, I'm sure most of those kids are good kids. I would honestly like to see a Vitello presser after being upset at home. I mean, can you throw a bat at a Catholic school, or would that get you struck down by lightning? Can you throw a bat at their dugout? How would that work? Ooh, that's a good point. Just touch okay, down can you become like foul pole Jesus? Like, how does that guy – if he acts the way he does to everyone else to them, will he be struck down on this, at the stadium? Something to think about. So, Notre Dame, is that our picks? That's, our, that's my pick, Notre Dame. I'm not picking them ever. I'll pick East Carolina if they play at Omaha. Screw them. Texas ECU East Carolina in Greenville North Carolina. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say the guys uh, Cliff and the boys get it done, and they take their first. You're gonna, you're gonna pick the fighting Godwins because I am yeah, too. I, I think Cliff gets it done this year, and I'll be happy for him. Yeah, I will be too. I'm, I'm certainly rooting for them. Um, I don't like Texas, and I don't like um, David Pierce's comments today about East Carolina and their fans and how he called it. He, he, you know, they call it the jungle out there, and he was like, "Well, they certainly live up to their name." Um, that that's the type of stuff that I can do without is is the coaches criticizing people that care about college baseball. I understand that maybe they get too rowdy. I root for a school that that certainly has uh, its share of of uh, alcohol induced rants in right field. But um, I think it's good that a place um, cares about college baseball and it comes across as arrogant when you're the head coach at the University of Texas and 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 making fun of um, people that care about college baseball. I missed that one. That is stupid. Because you want to talk about how you like actually get people interested in the game. Allow them to go drink in the sun and enjoy a baseball game and an entertaining product. Who cares if a bunch of college kids get rowdy? Um, that that screams to me that what's his name, David Pierce, didn't have a ton of fun in college. Nerd. Um, <laughs> all right, here we go. <laughs> he and M at home against Louisville. This will be a really really good series. I'm going Louisville. Okay, I'll go. I was gonna say I was gonna use my first game pick of just big A and M and three. I think A and M outlasted. I like their offense a little better. That's a coin flip for sure. I, I, that'll be a good one. So, yeah, it's two of the. It's the same team. Yeah. Um, it's it's the same team. My my only thing is that that Louisville as a program has probably been in this spot a little bit more. Um, I won't be shocked at all if Texas A and M, but it's the same team. Not a lot of pitching. Two really really good offenses. Uh, Oklahoma at Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech in two. I think Virginia Tech as well. You're, uh, you've been on the bandwagon and convinced me as well. Um, Stanford – or, excuse me, UConn at Stanford. Stanford. Um, I hope I'm wrong. Um, I think it would be cool if Jim Pender 
uh, guy that's been around college baseball for a long time and has built, built UConn into a really good program. Um, I hope I'm wrong, but but it'd certainly be hard to pick against Stanford after what they pulled in the uh, regional last week. I think it would be too, but man, did you that game on Monday got crazy? Texas State for like a hot second had that game won. Oh, Texas State is good. Yeah, they really are really good. That was a that was a fun late night Monday night game that I regretted staying up for at the office the next morning. But that was a ton of fun. <laughs> I'll go Stanford in three, but I actually wouldn't be surprised. UConn feels like they've been doubted, like right week scheduled. No, of course they're not hosting or even really in like a high two seed conversation. Um, I don't think many people had them coming out of that regional either, and they played really good. No. I'll go – actually, to hell with it. Who cares? I'm going UConn. Boom. There you go. Across the country. Uh, upset. Uh, Arkansas at North Carolina. This would be a doozy too. I'm not picking Arkansas. I'm not, I'm, I'm not doing it. North Carolina. I don't really understand Arkansas. I'm going to go UNC as well. Auburn, Oregon State. Or Auburn at Oregon State. All right, so – Oregon State, I believe this series starts on Saturday night. Oregon State threw um, their ace in relief on, on Monday. I'm going to bank on him being a little bit tired. I'm going to bank on Auburn's offense being real from what we saw in the regional. And I'm going to say Auburn gets this done in three games. I, I think everyone knows my affinity for Butch Thompson as a baseball coach. I think he's excellent. Um, I think Auburn gets it done in three. You get a tight game three. Auburn's a team all year that numbers haven't blown you away. They just know how to win games. I'm with you. I'm going Auburn in three as well. And that leads us to the grand finale. The Ole Miss Rebels going to Hattie to play the Southern Miss um, Golden Eagles. What uh, What is your pick? Ole Miss. I, I think they get it done. And and so it's complicated. Does the team that, that showed up at LSU and in Miami show up? Or does the team at South Carolina or Mississippi State show up? I, I just – so I'm, I'm, I'm an average – right, I'm a math guy. I just kind of believe you get keep knocking on this door. You're going to knock it down at some point. Um, they've knocked it down once, and, and just the law of averages, surely they'll knock it down again. Um, I just, it's not – look, I'm not going to be shocked at all if I look up on Sunday and Southern wins this in an 0-2 fashion. Um, but I, 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 I just kind of think I'm – look – it's the team in their eighth super regional. At some point, the law of averages ought to be on your side, and you ought to get it done. So I'm going to take Ole Miss. Ole Miss in two. There you go. <laughs> I do think this: if they win game one, they get win game one. I'll I'll say this: if they win game one, I think they win game two. Um, I think there is a path to go win game two and three. I'm not going to be real confident in it, but I think they can do it. But I I, I do think if they win game one, they can get game two and get it over with. I just think they're playing really good baseball. I think they found a newfound sense of confidence after a really terrible regular season. And uh, by their stand, I mean, by the standards that they were rightfully held to. And um, honestly, so, pretty good. they kind of stumbled a little bit at the end of the year and it felt like they really survived. Yeah. The regional. They're a very good baseball team, but they, that felt a lot more exhausting than what Ole Miss did despite like rain delays and stuff. And look, that doesn't win you a two, three game series. I've just kind of seen how this plays out before to where – I don't know. I've just kind of seen the road team that's really kind of caught fire late in the year kind of go in and mow down a home team in a super. And it's like, well, how did that happen? Like that team's not that much better than them. I think that's Ole Miss this year. And I think you were right. I think the law of averages plays out. Maybe I'm wrong. I didn't use a lot of numbers and statistics in that particular uh, monologue of a pick, but I just, I think it's going to happen. So um, 
here's my thing. I, I just think that, yeah, like you said, it's, and like we both said, it's, it's a law of averages thing. Um, I'll ask you this, and, and I'm kind of trying to look at it. Ole Miss starts, I believe this is accurate if Calvin Harris is in right field. Um, Ole Miss starts one kid, excuse me, two kids if you count um, Hunter Elliott and some bullpen guys. Two kids from um, Mississippi and in, in, in their lineup with Hunter Elliott and then obviously um, um, Hayden Dunhurst. I think obviously when you talk about Southern Miss and Ole Miss, it's obviously going to mean a lot more to the Mississippi kids that have grown up and, and you know, what has been become a decent baseball rivalry. Um, do, do you think it at all benefits Ole Miss that, that they don't start or play a lot of Mississippi kids compared to maybe a Southern Miss that, that plays a few more kids and they're not going to be the guy or the team that maybe grips the bat as hard because, hey, I can't lose to Southern Miss. Do you think that – and certainly Southern Miss plays a lot of guys that aren't from Mississippi, uh, but I do think they, they play a good bit more, a decent bit more. Do you, do you buy into anything of that nature? I think the pressure is more on Southern Miss, and I think that that could be part of it and part of what contributes to it uh, for sure. Um, yeah, look, no one's going to buy it. I mean, look, that, particularly non-Mississippi kids, right, they're not going to care about the program stature and any sort of history and all that. I, I'm with you there. I think that, that could play into it. And, look, the pressure is on Southern Miss. Um, I mean, Ole Miss is – like, I don't want to say a team that was ranked number one in the country at one point is playing in a more of like a redemption of vindication for this is newfound success for Ole Miss, and, you know, it's, it almost feels like they're playing like it is a completely new season, to use a cliche. And so, yeah, I'm with you there. I think the pressure is definitely more on Southern Miss, and I don't think it hurts that Ole Miss has more, uh, more out-of-state kids. And so it's, um, it's going to be a fascinating one, dude. I, I can't wait. Um, decent time. Like, I don't hate the night games, but I don't, I don't, I'm not going to mind a little midday action on Saturday. No, no um, I'm not either. I'm actually going to go – if they so, I'm not going to go to Southern Miss because they I just tickets is it's not a possibility. Um, but Ole Miss didn't get many, and then Southern hasn't even put them online, so I don't see that happening. But um, I'll say this on here: Ole Miss is opening Swayze for a watch party, which I think will be pretty cool. I'm actually going to go on Sunday. Oh, um, yes, so think, report back on how that is, please. I, I was about to actually, I was going to mention that at the top of the show. I think that's a cool idea. I don't think that's something they've done before. So we're going to have boots on the ground there. Yeah, yeah, on Sunday. Not not going to make it on Saturday, I don't believe. But on Sunday, I'll, I'll, especially if they're 1-0, I'll be there. Maybe if they're 0-1, I'll be in a hole crying or something. But, um, you know, if they're 1-0, I'll certainly want to be at Swayze and watch that with the people there. So, uh, I'm wondering how it works. Like, are they going to let me get on the field? Because, you know, if I'm sitting in Section J and trying to watch the scoreboard, that's a long ways away. But if I'm, you know, sitting in center field in a lawn chair, that's, that's certainly a little bit easier. I actually tried to picture this because I was bored at work today. I imagine they just let you sit out in the outfield and watch, right? Because, like, that's not even a good – it's not a great angle from, like, right field either, right? Like, I imagine it's in the stadium. That would be the way to do it. Like, of course, they're not going to open up the outfield part of it. That wouldn't make any sense. I would just think they'd let you sit down on, like, blankets and grass. I I, I don't really know. I mean, look, I get that the the field's well manicured and they don't want to, like, tear it up or anything, but I don't think people just standing on it are going to tear it up. Well, they're not going to play. They're not going to play. Right. It's it's not, hey, let's save it for next weekend. It's, hey, let's save it for next February. Um, (laughs) I think we almost got enough money in the budget to fix the field if they need it. Yeah, so Um, having, like, a driving range session out there, I don't think there's going to be many issues. So I'm curious to see the setup, too. I do think that's a cool idea. Hate to one-up you, but the Saturday game, I'll be watching. I'm going to my first baby shower. Um, oh, of a friend. Uh, well, at least the first one on purpose, I should say. Um, yeah, so we got a baby shower on Saturday. Not yours, right? 
no, 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 not mine, not mine. This is a buddy of mine who uh, got married uh, a little bit earlier than I, clearly earlier than I did. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> we got married a little bit earlier, and uh, they're having a baby. I think it's a girl in uh, July. I'm gonna have to navigate that. It's a, it's one of those. I mean, they're they're our age, so it's not gonna be like, what do you mean? Where's the TV? He's gonna have it on. Um, it's a laid back type of thing, but um, I'm more concerned. I'm trying to convince. Um, the whole uh, show up late after the game is over thing. It's at like five, five thirty, and the uh, game course starts at three. I'm just going to tell you, you might have to move me. Like you might have to pry me out of wherever I'm sitting, where I started watching the game with like your, 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 I don't know, with like some sort of machinery to get out of there. I'm just not sure how willing I'm going to be to be switching locations in the sixth inning. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Look, I, my argument was the kid's not alive yet. He's not going to know whether I attended this thing or not, or she, excuse like me. So like, what, he at least isn't going to know for like five years either. That kid's not going to hate me if I didn't attend the baby shower. It's basically a zero-year-old birthday, and it's still on the inside. It didn't even get to participate in the fun. So I think I'm going to have to do the fashionably late move, but uh, I'll report back on the baby shower. So, how that coincided with whole Mrs. Results on Saturday. So I'll, I'll ask this, um, and obviously putting the cart a little bit before the horse here, um, because I don't, you know, Ole Miss can obviously lose two games this weekend. They can lose the first two. Are you gonna Are you gonna make the trek to Omaha if they were to win two games this weekend? Man, I don't. I've thought about that. I, I, I'm TBD. I'm gonna. I'll probably try to navigate some way to go for a little bit. But your boy from weddings and stuff. days are really just not not adding up you're uh you're like mc you guys get like summers off and so that that for college baseball the only problem with her is she i don't i think she knows old miss is playing i'll remind her when i walk in there in a second (laughs) 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 priorities in terms of the uh, viewing the college world series are different so i'm jealous in that aspect so i think i'll probably try to do something um look did you go in 14 no, I did not go in 14. I was, uh, I was working, doing summer work, and there was, I had something else where I couldn't go. I was, I was not. Yeah, you got to get up there for at least a game because I'm I, that, that. So here's the deal with me. Um, if they were to win, I, I want to go, but I'm not going to be disappointed if I don't. Like, if I don't get a group of friends that want to go or whatever, if my dad doesn't want to go, I'm not because I've been out there and I've seen it and it was awesome, but it's something you at least want to experience. It is, it is remarkably cool. I think I'm going to have to do it, and I don't know how or why or why. When I got a I got a bachelor trip in Newport Beach like the week after Omaha, so the uh, my office wow. might be seeing me for some time. We'll, we'll, <laughs> I guess we'll have to cross that bridge when we come to it. But um, yeah, so we'll see how it goes, dude. It'll be a good weekend. Uh, we'll be back when the uh, I guess I'll leave the possibility open to some sort of emergency pod, but I doubt it. We'll be back when the series is over, and we'll uh, we'll catch up. Yeah, there. yeah, it's it's probably not gonna happen. I mean, because what if they went on Saturday? I'm probably not gonna be uh not be able to do one on Saturday night. So it, uh, it'll, oh, well, I, I guess thinking, I was thinking uh, win loss scenario before the Monday, yeah. but um, no, we'll probably yeah, we'll do that over. So um, he is Colin Brister. We will catch you uh, when we know the result. I appreciate the time, dude. Sounds good, my man. All right. That is our show. If you made it to the end, I really appreciate you guys making us a part of your day. Should be a fun, uh, fascinating weekend. Um, we will learn a lot. I can't wait to react to it. Colin and I will be back, I guess, at some point on Monday night. I don't know. We'll see how the series plays out. But you get the you, you guys know the drill this time of year. We'll be back when it is time to react. Uh, we'll have a newsletter preview and all of the, uh, I won't say same thing, but similar stuff 
uh, out on Friday. As many of you are listening to this, be sure to describe that rippyrights.substack.com. And uh, we'll be back on Monday. Appreciate you guys listening and reaching out with the feedback as always. We uh, will catch you after the weekend is over.